Hey everybody, Booking just around the riverbend, but first, just a quick note. Obviously, here at the Booking, we love our patrons. We love everyone who supports our show. We love everyone who listens to our show. But we love everyone who supports our show, no matter at what amount. However, I did want to let you know, because I think some people at patreon.com forward slash the Booking, our lovely patrons, were disappointed last year that they did not have the opportunity or the time to become a t-shirt level member before we ordered the t-shirts they saw the t-shirts and they thought oh it would have been cool to get one of those i wish i had been supporting at the 25 dollars level which is what gets you a shirt over at patreon.com forward slash the booking and so i wanted to let people know that we are here in the next couple of weeks probably going to order a run of this year's shirts which have the lovely booking slogan it's thought christmas y'all printed on them this is a slogan that is very near and dear to my heart it reminds us that if your thoughts, if your mind, if your mental sector is a Christmas tree, then more than one ornament, more than one thought ornament can go on that tree. You don't just have to think one thing about any given topic. You can pile those ornaments on and some of them can be colorful and some of them can be contradictory and you can think more than one thing about any given topic. So like, for example, with C.S. Lewis, one thought Christmas tree ornament might say, C.S. Lewis had some really wonky theology. And another thought Christmas ornament might say, C.S. Lewis was a genius with a lot of wisdom and insight into the nature of men and women. You can have both those ornaments hanging off of your thought Christmas tree. It's all one tree and there's two ornaments and they don't contradict each other. You, You can have both of them there because it's thought Christmas, y'all. I think that's a wonderful slogan. I think it's a wonderful thing to remember. I think it's a wonderful t-shirt, which you can get this year if you sign up soon at patreon.com forward slash the booking for the $25 a month level. I understand not everybody can do that. And I appreciate, we appreciate whatever you can do. People have been so generous with us. I just wanted people to know that the t-shirts were going to be ordered soon so that nobody who might want to do that, who might want to bump up to that level, would be disappointed if the shirts had already gone out for this year. Because we only generally do one run of these shirts a year. And also do remember, if you can get us up to 1500 then we will do... I don't think we're going to do a year of King Arthur like we did with Tolkien. You know, we did like a year of Tolkien. I think what we do is a series of episodes like one mini series on king arthur but it would be a big mini series akin to what we did with harry potter or c.s lewis but i think we'd actually instead of spacing it out like we did with tolkien we kind of think maybe it was a mistake to space tolkien out obviously tolkien's a genius and we had lots of fun talking about him but there's something about the momentum and the accumulated weight the snowball of thoughts and ideas and stuff that you get when you record it all at once. In any case, we will talk a whole lot about King Arthur and review a whole bunch of King Arthur books, anything from The Once and Future King to The Idols of the King to, of course, Sir Thomas Mallory, La Morte to Arthur, a wonderful book, all kinds of stuff. Ishiguru's Arthur novel, it'd be wonderful to have an excuse to talk more Ishiguru. So get us up to 1500 soon so that we can do that at patreon.com forward slash the booking. Maybe a good excuse for you to bump up to 25 if you want to get in on that t-shirt. You need to do that soon. But thank you for all the ways that all of you support us. It's so awesome. We are so blessed. Our fans are awesome. Thank you. Love you. Nathan out. Here comes the show. Coming up next, the booking reads Shakespeare. 
Hello, hey. <laughs> Everyone, a. Elcom way. Ute. Athe. Ookening Bay. <laughs> oh, man. If people could only see how hard you were thinking. <laughs> <laughs> you cut out all the long pauses. Yeah. yeah, that's right. That's right. Folks, that was a little taste of pig Latin, or as Brandon calls it, Latin. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Nathan, you're funny. I am funny. Hey, welcome to the Booketing. My name is Nathan. I'm your humble and obedient host. That's Brandon over there. He's your scholar who's a baller of reading. Hey. And there's Jake. He's the pastor who's a master of books. Hi, Jake. He's the scholar who's a baller of books, actually. What did I say? Yeah, I always get that wrong. You got it wrong, Nathan. I got it wrong. Yep. Take two. All right. Hello, hey, and a... Nope, I'm not going to do it again. It was wonderful enough the first time. Folks, welcome to The Booketing. My name is Nathan. I'm a, I am your humble and obedient host. That's Brandon. He is the scholar who's a baller reading. That's Jake. He is the pastor who's master of lots of stuff, really, but reading is one of his many talents. Quick, name another Jake talent. Brandon? Baseball. Quick, name another Jake talent. Jake? <laughs> Sorry. I don't have any other talents. Oh, Jake. Name one, Nathan. He's just being self-deprecating. He's got all kinds of challenge, 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 challenges. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Standing straight, <laughs> get his hands to stop shaking. <laughs> Where's the whiskey? <laughs> Listen, folks, we're talking about Shakespeare. Yes, old Barty Bard. Bard. <laughs> Listen, folks, we're talking about old Billy S. himself, Shakespeare, and. We are talking about the Hollow Crown, the War of the Roses. It is the second set of Hollow Crown things, the second season, the second series, as they call it, across the pond. <sighs> and uh, yeah, it adapts a bunch of Shakespeare plays. Which ones does it adapt, Jake? Henry the Sixth Parts 1, 2, and 3, and Richard the Third. Yep. And it really condenses the heck out of Henry the Sixth Part 1 because that play sucks. That's my. Hot take. True or false, Brandon? I think it might be right, Nathan. I think it might be true. It's got a handful of good scenes and a whole bunch of weird bad scenes, and a lot of people think Shakespeare co-authored it. Yes. Or even, I even read today that they that some people conjecture that Henry the Sixth Part... Oh, man. Why can't I say that without lisping? Henry the Sixth Part 2 and 3 were actually originally an awesome, popular duo of plays that people loved, and then Shakespeare went George Lucas-style. And wrote a crappy sequel that nobody liked. Yeah. That Henry VI Part One is actually the Phantom Menace of its time. That would make sense. Or maybe the Attack of the Clones, because Phantom Menace is actually pretty good. As we know, Attack of the Clones is the true bummer of the the trilogy. There we go. There we go. Anyway, what's going to happen today is, maybe we'll talk about the plays, but what's really going to happen is Brennan's going to Tell us about the War of the Roses. Lead us through the history of the kings of England. Oh, I thought you were going to tell us about the Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner movie by Danny DeVito. Yes. War of the Roses. Let's talk about that. They both die at the end. They do, don't they? I think they do, yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie. I've seen it on TV like when I was six or something like that. I think they're just both lying there saying how much they hate each other, right? Yeah. And their destroyed house. Yeah, something like that. That's depressing. Yeah. You know what's not depressing? The history of the kings of England. <laughs> <laughs> Man after my own heart transition. Life. So, Brandon, tell us about 
Brent, basically today, Brennan's going to tell us about the War of Roses. We're going to War of the Roses. We're going to talk about that. Maybe we'll have some time to talk about the plays too. But we definitely want to get some context on the old W of the R. And um, you guys can help color this in some. But I do have a crazy sheet of paper here in front of me that shows the history all the way from William the Conqueror up to the War of the Roses. Now, Brennan, you made this sheet of paper yourself. I'm wondering why you didn't just find a sheet of paper that already did this on the internet and print it out. Nathan, that's a good question. <laughs> that's not how Brennan works. That's, that's not, not how, how I work. Brennan puts in the, in, I'm a, in the time. Yeah, and so Jake helps. is eating Mike and Ike's. I'm not going to try and edit that out. So It helps me. Just, um, I'm not going to apologize for it either. Those look really good. They're Mike and Ike's. Do you want some? I, can I talk and eat a Mike and Ike? Probably Yeah, not. sure. Sure, why not? You know what? You guys are gonna be helping me anyways, right? Is this kind of pod? Is it's that kind of podcast? It's just relaxed. It's a yeah. relaxed fit episode. I need some sugar if, if I'm gonna make it through tonight. So, oh sugar, do 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 do. We only got to make this 50 minutes long, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, something like that. How long have we been going? How long have we been going? Uh, like two minutes. No, longer than that, right? I'm not that much. Well, let's do some more banter then. Okay. <laughs> Jake, what on earth possessed you to get 1.8 pounds of Mike and Ike's? <laughs> well, I was really hungry, and I was walking through Menards, and there they were, and they mm. called to me, and I've been regretting it ever since, and maybe I'm just going to power through and get it all done tonight so I don't have to think about it ever again. Both Mike and Ike called you, huh? I barely eat Mike and Ike's. I'll try a... I'm trying an orange Mike and Ike right now, folks. Should we review them for the podcast? Yeah, why not? Um, this orange one is good. It tastes like a good orange candy. I'm a fan. Well, I would say as far as flavorful fruit candies go, Mike and Ike kind of is at the top. Better than Skittles? Skittles can be some a little hard sometimes. I think it's better than Skittles, yeah. Skittles go stale quickly, it's true. Um, I'm now trying a green one. I assume this is lime. It's lime. Ooh, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think. And red, what is the strawberry? That's pink, that's strawberry. But there's also a cherry? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll let you try all of them here. Okay. Yeah, that's not bad. I'm trying the cherry now, folks. Mm, a little let down by the cherry, not going to lie. The lemon's pretty good. Oh, wait. There it comes. There it comes. Yep. Cherry's good. Okay. And now I'm trying the yellow. I'm not palate cleansing. I've got a mouthful of other Mike and Ikes, but we'll see. I can confirm. You know, I don't think I've ever really given Mike and Ikes much of a chance, but that is a superior fruit candy. Yeah. Nice if texture. You, if you really want a fruit candy that sort of bursts in your mouth with flavor then mike and ike's really kind of topped the list for me and i don't know kind of a guilty pleasure but so it's a rare thing but when i've got that hankering and mike and ike's are an option that's what i go with the red i'd say are... the lime and probably the strawberry yeah the red ones are pretty good the lime and strawberry are my two favorites but it's rare that you get something that has that hits all the citrus notes without sucking like uh, orange lime and uh lemon are all good as far as orange lime and lemon go. Yeah. That's true. I yeah. would say that I would say that if there is a letdown, it is the cherry, but the cherry is still a good cherry. The cherry came through for me at the end. A little bit like Warwick in this play we're about to talk to talk came through for The Kingmaker. The Kingmaker. A little bit what how he came through for whoever he came through at the end. It's hard for me to keep track of all this stuff. That he, guy that well, played he Warwick against Edmund. That guy was awesome. He had that. Yeah, he was he had so that good. Awesome, that voice he had that voice. Yeah, his voice amazing. was amazing. Cool. Now, anyway, uh, I'm getting all this confused though in my head. He turns against Edmund in the Shakespeare play too, right? Yeah. 
Okay. He, yeah, Edmund is... Edmund betrays him when he's standing before... Because Edmund's brutal. Moriarty yeah. is there. Oh, yeah, that was great. I always like when Moriarty... I, I don't even like Moriarty that much in the Sherlock show, but I always like when he shows up in anything else. He's a highlight of um, 1917. Yeah, I that? haven't seen that. Yeah, you should see it. And he's... Who does he play in that? He plays that one like Scottish captain in the trenches right before they decide to go up. Yeah, he's great. He's just... Andrew Scott. He's Andrew Scott. Actor. Yeah, he's Blunt, really good. Brutal. He's funny. He's just a good actor. So yeah, he's he's the king of France or whatever, the dolphin or whatever. Yeah. Dauphin. Right. That. The dolphin. The dolphin. Yeah. People don't know that there's he's actually. He's a slippery. He's, he's yeah. a dolphin. Yeah. Andrew also Scott. He's, he's such a good actor. Yeah. <laughs> so so yeah, he he's all the way there to get the daughter's hand in marriage, and then he gets message that Edward is wedded an English widow and made a fool of him in the court of the French. And then in there, he says, well, you've disgraced me and I'm done with you. That was a nice one-two punch of scenes in the thing. The scene where Edward seduces the lady is a pretty great Shakespeare seduction banter scene. And then that just makes you go, and then the scene where the dolphin finds out he's been betrayed is a pretty great scene. By Shamu. By Shamu, yeah. <laughs> uh, never trust Flipper. Yeah, never trust Flipper. That's right. There's a t-shirt. Never trust Flipper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, hey, well. Could we call ourselves the Splash Zone? We're like the new Splash Zone. What are we splashing? Don't sit in the Splash Zone. The booking. Don't sit splashed? in the Splash Zone. Don't spit in the Splash Zone. Don't spit in the Splash Zone. I love that. Yeah. It's Thought Christmas, y'all. It's Thought Christmas, y'all. Yeah, we got yeah, it back. It's Thought Yay. Christmas, y'all. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I like that this is now functioning as our new reset button. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, folks. So the new goal is we can use it anytime we need to reset, but the less we use it, the more points we get. So we've already used it twice in this podcast. Like, Have we or was that p- part of a, a cut? Aborted. <laughs> Oh, that might have been part of an aborted episode. This is like our fourth or fifth time through, folks. We're He's being modest. <laughs> it's like our eighth time through. <laughs> <laughs> One for each, Henry. Yeah. Um, you mean these podcasts aren't golden every time you start the mic recording device? <laughs> you mean these podcasts aren't golden every time you start the mic recording device? Uh, no. And that's why we spit in the splash zone. Or, or slash zone and that's why... The dolphin reminds us of other aquatic creatures, like Free Willy, yeah. Shakespeare. Oh, well, that was not bad. <laughs> and you know who's another Willy? Yeah. <laughs> Willy the Conqueror. Yeah, good old <laughs> Willy the Conqueror. <laughs> Do you think he would have been a conqueror, Jake, if his nickname had been Willy? I can't imagine it. You think someone named Willy has ever done anything great with their life? Just like regular old Willie? Like not William, but Willie. Like our friend, regular old Willie? <laughs> it's right there in his name. Yeah. <laughs> He's just Willie. kind of a boring guy. There's <laughs> Willie from The Simpsons, right? Some Bills, maybe, but. Some Bills. No, about Willies. I, I mean, there's Willie Loman from Death of a Salesman. He's kind of a chump. There's a Wilkie Collins. Wilkie Collins. There is a Wilkie. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Christmas, y'all. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. How many points do we have? <laughs> We're approaching the negatives, man. I think we just get 
a negative point every time we say it's thought Christmas to reset. But then how do we get positive points? That's the question. Uh, every every 10 minutes we go without saying it's thought Christmas, y'all. We get a point. So somebody has to keep track of this. I'll just set my timer. There you go. Set your timer. <laughs> Did I say it with an accent? <laughs> I don't know. It sounded a little bit weird. I'll, I'll just set my... Well, Brandon? I don't make fun of your f- speech defects. <laughs> defects. Not Christmas, y'all. <laughs> you're costing us points, man. Yeah, you're costing us points, man. Sorry. All right, Brandon, tell us about the War of Roses, jerk. <clears throat> well, to get to the War of Roses, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> are you guys ready? You asked me to talk about the War of Roses, and if I provide anything, it's context. So I decided I needed to provide context to the War of Roses, which takes us all the way back to 1066. With William the Conqueror. Are you happy you asked me to do this now, Nathan? I'm happy. The people want it. Right, Jake? Oh, yeah. We're excited about this. Okay, so what we what ears. you have to realize is that- Let the, me just say, Brandon. What? Pass I, the Mike and Ikes. Yeah. Oh, that's what you wanted to say? <laughs> yeah. Well, can I get a couple first? Yeah. Actually, I'm going to take some Mike and Ikes. These are pretty good. These are great. Mm, I need one of each. Is there, Am I missing one? Yes, I'm missing an orange one. All right. I- have learned about the War of the Roses at least a couple times in my life, mm-hmm. and it never manages to stick in my head. It's just a morass of things that never have really managed to coalesce for me. So, Brandon? Most complicated stuff. The House of Lancaster versus the House of... York. York. And they're all actually uh, descendants they're... of... Edward III. And therefore, the House of... Tudor. No, 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 no. Plantagenet. Plantagenet. Yep. So basically, this is the, this is the story of cousins in fighting. Like that's right. They're all cousins. They're all descendants of the sons of Edward the Third. Cousins yeah. and uncles, and go back to old Willie the Sea. Yeah. What I figured I'd do is just give us a brief history of the kings of England because it helps to see how the houses were established and how this infighting started. And really, you can't understand the War of the Roses unless you realize. At the Hundred Years' War is a backdrop, and you can't understand the Hundred Years' War as a backdrop unless you realize where all of this came from in the first place. So this takes us all the way back to Beowulf, his times. Mm. Yeah, the Anglo-Saxon king sitting on the throne. And then overcomes William the Conqueror in 1066, and he brings Norman rule, which is French rule, to England. And you have what's called the House of Normandy. And so William the Conqueror, he reigns until 1087 when his son, William II, takes over from 1087 to 1100. And then he has the son, Henry I, who takes over from 1100 to 1135. And this is the House of Normandy. There are three kings. So William I, William II, and Henry I. After Henry I dies, William the Conqueror's daughter, Adela, her son, Stephen, takes the throne and we have a new house. And so the periods in English history for the kings are divided into the houses of like the originating father of that line of kings. And so this was called the House of Normandy. Stephen (laughs) has a very short-lived line. He's the only one of the House of Blois. 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 B-L-Blois. Basically Blois. B-L-O-I-S. B-L-O-I-S. Yeah. And that's because he was the son of William the Conqueror's daughter, Adela, and the Count of Blois. B-L-O-I-S. And so he got to be king for a little while. After he dies, we have a new house established with Henry II, and this is where we start getting into our familiar names. And this is in 1154. This is important because um, Henry II was 
if I can follow all my lines and figure this out, was the son of Empress Matilda, who was the daughter of Henry I and married Geoffrey of the court of Anjou in France. And so a lot of the kings following him would actually simultaneously be kings of England and the Count of Anjou. All right. Bless you. You're, thank you. But Geoffrey of the court of Anjou, when he died, he had an inscription on his tomb. Do you know what it was? Plantagenet. And that's where the name Plantagenet comes from, is he was the son of Geoffrey of the court of Anjou, the Count of Anjou, also known as the Plantagenet. I think it meant like handsome or something in French. And so he took that name and the, and the kings following him would be called the Plantagenet Angevin line of kings. Plantagenet Angevin line of kings. She sells seashells on the sea. Oh. Yeah. What? Plantan- Plantagenet Angevins. All right. So hang, hang on a second. Plantagenet after Jeffrey, Angevin after the fact that they're also Count of Anjou's. All right. I'm going to see if me and Jake can reconstruct this. Oh, this will be fun. So Willie, yeah. Willie the Conqueror comes along. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's Norman. And we're still in his line right now. Did I miss something? Or are we still in? The house switched because his daughter married mm-hmm. married Stephen. Mm-hmm. She married Jeffrey. Oh, okay. So Jeffrey is the first switch. In, in well, the, yeah, his daughter, Adela, married Stephen's father. Yes, and that switched to the house Blois. Right. And so the house technically switched, but we're still in William's line, bloodline. Because yep. Henry comes from Henry I. So this is Henry II now. Mm-hmm. He comes from Henry I, who is two down from William the Conqueror. Okay. And at some point, they decided to call themselves the Plantagenet Anginet. No, not sometimes. It's because Empress Matilda, Mm -hmm. who was the daughter of Henry I, married Geoffrey, Count of Anjou, also known as the Plantagenet. And so his son took his title, Plantagenet, and you have the Plantagenet line. That was fun to realize. I always wondered where in the world did that name Plantagenet come from? And it comes from this ancestry line. So... All right, we're good so far? I think we're good so far. Okay. Well, this established a new house, and this is where we get a lot of the famous kings. And so we're into Robin Hood, Crusades era now. And Henry II, maybe we could have some fun, and you can try to guess who his sons were. Richard and he had John. Two Richard sons. And Richard John. and John, yep. That's right. Yep. That was fun. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did that. Um, <laughs> we can stop and point out some of the important historical things that happened under each of these kings. Henry II... So he reigned from 1154 to 1189. This is a good plug for getting us up to $1,500 on the bookening Patreon because he married Eleanor of Aquitaine Mm. from France. Mm -hmm. And because he married her would bring in a lot of the romance languages and influence into the courts of Britain, but also poets who sang a lot of the lays and romances. And so a lot of the courtly romances that were part of the French courts at the time Stories of knights and ladies, the chivalric tells would come into England and you would get the first Arthurian influences because of Henry II and his wife, Eleanor of Aquitaine. Isn't that fun? That is fun. Yeah. Anyways, and so get us to 1500 and you'll get even more history of these two people because there's a lot of fascinating things that happen in their court. Eleanor is a fascinating woman. There's intrigue and courtly stuff that happens, but that's not the story we're telling today. We should say... Get us to $1,500 on patreon.com forward slash the bookening. Yes. Which is when we will talk about King Arthur's stories. Yes. Get us there. Um, and Henry II is also known as being the guy who was involved with Thomas a Becket. So. Interesting. Yeah. So anyways, his son, Richard I, also known as Richard the Lionhearted, we would go off and do the Crusades. He reigned from 1189 to 1199. 
Then you had John 1199 till 1216. John is, thanks to the Robin Hood legends, is often seen as being the weak king. He's the one who also had to sign the Magna Carta because Parliament came and forced him to do it. And then you had all these shifts in the English monarchy and the way that the rule of law was established over England, right? During John's reign. Yep. But he actually had the longest succession of direct descendants following him, which is pretty interesting. Which given so, the story we're telling today is uh, some, some kind of feat. Yeah. So I want to, I want to take note of how long we have. So I think that most people assume that the Kings of England are just like a direct succession, one from the other, that the son of the King, the son of the King, son of the King, son of the King, son of the King. So far, <clears throat> William the Conqueror had two sons sit on the throne. It was to his like great, great grandson who took the throne. And then it's going to get even crazier with the War of the Roses. So we have John who then has Henry the Third follow him, then Edward the First follow him, then Edward the Second follow him, and then Edward the Third follow him. So technically five kings descending directly from one another, which is a pretty strong dissension line, all the way from 1199 to 1377, when we're well into the middle of the Hundred Years' War. Hmm. Some important things happen with his descendants. For one, you have Edward the Second, who starts the Hundred Years' War, and this had to do with the death of Philip the Fourth. And his sons in France, this actually, sorry, this is Edward III. Um, his mother was Isabella of France. And because his mother was Isabella of France, after Philip IV and his sons both died, Edward III decided, well, you know what? I guess I have as strong a claim to the throne of France as anybody else. And so he decided to try and go and take it and thus started the Hundred Years' War. And it uh, sometimes also called the Edwardian War. And this would last for... Guess how many years? But you can't guess. What do you think, Jake? 42. No, longer. 500? No, longer than both of those. Longer yeah. than 9,000. Shorter than both of those, sorry. <laughs> I give up. It's kind of in the name, guys. One. It's, a, it's one. several hundred. Is it one? 100. Oh. oh. You guys get it now? The the 100 years war. I, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah I don't get it. Uh, I mean, it's kind of complicated. History's tough, guys. History is tough. So is math. Yep. Math is hard too. Yeah. Math. This is a literature podcast, Brandon. Yeah. I know. We don't do math here. Yeah. We don't do math. We hate math. We do hate math. And everybody who practices it. Practices it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Our only real enemies are the philosophers. Mm-hmm. They, they want to kick us out of the city, man. They do. Are those really our only enemies? Just because we're poets, they want to kick us out. We all like poetry. We're all poets here. Yeah. And they want to kick us out of the city. I'm just trying to think of who our other enemies are. I think we've got more. Madeline Lingle. Yeah, she's, <laughs> that's a hard one to say. <laughs> Madeline Lingle. <laughs> Let's keep going. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, so this gets us dead into the center of the Edwards. And this will also be the end of the Plantagenet Ar Argevin line, the direct Plantagenet line. What's going to happen well, we're getting close to it. Is Have you guys ever heard of Edward the Black Prince? Mm -hmm. He was a very significant figure during the Hundred Years' War. Well, he, he was off in France fighting the Hundred Years' War. Guess what happened? Got himself killed. But he was supposed to be the direct successor. He was supposed to be Edward the, Edward the Fourth. When you're dead, you can't become king. What? Yeah. There's a t-shirt. When you're dead, you can't become <laughs> when king. When you're dead, you can't become king. So since he got himself killed, his son had to take the throne. And guess who his son was? Took the throne at 10 years old. And this gets us up to Shakespeare. This, Richard II? Richard II, that's right. And this gets us into 1377. 
Um, just a co- just a couple other things. One, there had been one other great revolt um, during this period as well, which will play into where you had a, re- a revolt between the people and the aristocracy against the aristocracy. This will play a role later on with the Lancasters and the Yorks because there are some political underlying tensions there as well. And the other thing, just because it kind of mirrors what's going on right now, guess what else was happening during the Hundred Years' War? Black Lives Matter. No, but it does have to do with black. The Black, black plague. plague. Yeah, the, the Black oh, Plague. Black Plague. One of the worst outbreaks of the Black Plague was happening during the 1300s. So not only did you have tumultuous war because the King of England decided that he should have the throne of France as well, but the Black Plague was taking place. So a couple things here I wanted to show. For one, I wanted to go all the way back to William the Conqueror to show how tumultuous from the beginning being king was and keeping your bloodline secure was because we're already almost through two two bloodlines, and we're not that far into the King of England's. And the second thing I wanted to do was show how France played a role and claims to France played a role, because this would be influential in Henry V, right? This is like the, this is what Henry V is about. It's it's a uh, Hundred Years' War play. Edward III, we got to go back to this guy, because he had some other sons too. And do you know their names? John, John, Jacob, John of Gaunt. John of Gaunt. Singlehammer Schmidt. And Edward of Langley. Ed, yeah. Edmund of Langley, sorry. I can't read my own hand, handwriting. And what he decided to do was he decided to establish cadet houses beneath the house of Plantagenet. Mm. And to John of Gaunt, he gave the house name Duke of Lancaster. And to the house of Edmund of Langley, he gave the name the Duke, Duke of, of York. York. And whenever you decide to divide your kingdom up or divide authority up like that between two brothers, you're just asking for them to decide to want to kill one another, or at least their descendants to want to kill one another one day. And that is the heart of the War of the Roses. And by the end, the male bloodlines of both the House of Lancaster and the House of York would be decimated. They would be gone. They would have no descendants left. So let's get into the story of how all this happens. All right. (laughs) Um, <laughs> so Richard II, and if once he takes the throne, he decides to outcast John of Gaunt's son, Henry Bolingbroke. Mm. Mm. Well, this makes old Henry Bolingbroke mad. He comes back, he deposes Richard II, and he becomes Henry, Henry IV. IV. And this sounds like a play that we- It sounds like a play. Last week. Yeah. Or last week, last year. Yeah. Played by, forget well, he, the actor's name. He was Jeremy Irons in the Henry, Henry the Fifth, Fifth yeah. stuff, but- before that, he was some awesome guy that I don't think I know what his name was, but he was awesome. He was really great. Yep. Ben Wishaw played Richard. What? Ben Wishaw played Richard. He was yeah. also really he was great. Amazing. He was amazing, yeah. I wish they would have had somebody that strong to play Richard the... Henry the or, Sixth. Yeah, Henry the Sixth, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Henry, the guy who played Henry the Sixth was just trying to do his version of Wishaw's Richard and it... Failed. He yeah, failed. It was kind of a flop. Oh, well. Yeah. Well, because for all, I mean, Richard the Henry the Sixth should have been an interesting character, and we'll get to him in a little bit. But yeah, they also truncated him quite a bit in that. The yeah, baby, see things. So, see series two. What doesn't compare to series one? Just gonna go ahead and throw that out there. Yeah, it's yeah. true. It's true. It's too bad. Yeah. Have you watched Richard the Third yet? Yep. Okay, so it's not as good. No. I had some hopes for that one. No, you shouldn't. No, it's it's the laziest of all of them. It's we paid Benedict Cumberbatch a bunch of money. We're just going to have face shots of Benedict Cumberbatch being a psychopath the whole time and depend on him to carry the whole play. And it doesn't really work? I, no. 
Not for me, at least. I'll be interested if you disagree with me. I mean, you have a classic psychopathic actor playing a psychopath doing a signature performance, but it just feels so much like a retread Yeah, that it doesn't have anything inspiring or exciting about it for me. You had told me that. And so watching Henry the sixth part two, I was watching for that and I wanted to disagree with you, but I found myself like, Oh, I mean, Benedict Cumberbatch is doing just fine, but yeah, I don't know that this is really what I want to see. And especially when they're trying to have him play a range of ages and he's going to be wearing a dopey wig and yeah. Anyway, that's too bad. More on that though. Yeah, we'll get there. We don't want you guys to know what we really think. Yeah. Did you say more on that or more on that? More on that. <laughs> Is that that's your insult for Benedict Cumberbatch? <laughs> yeah, more on more, more on. on that. More on that. <laughs> that there's a more on. <laughs> it's been a while since our fans in England have been able to understand what Oh yeah. I I should be doing this whole oh, thing yeah. so you can understand your coins of England. What's the name? Oh Brad. Hello, Brad. Why don't you try to Get me back to this point. Would you care for some some knickers and fish? Sure. <laughs> so Nathan, yeah, bring me from Stephen all the way up to John of Gaunt and O Henry Bolingbroke. See what you can do there, buddy. Uh, oh well, you know, I <laughs> went bowling yesterday, <laughs> and my <laughs> nine pins. I think you're supposed to call it. Uh, yeah, I was playing nine pins in yeah. the, the Queen's knickers. And <laughs> you were playing them in the Queen's Nickers. Yeah, it's the name of a bowling alley. It's not a very respectful place uh, to Her Majesty the Queen. <laughs> anyway, what should my bowling ball do but bypass the nine pins and go into a brook? I thought it was going to break. It broke. And so? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it could have broke, but... <laughs> it broke in the brook. <laughs> yeah, instead it went out of the bowling alley into a brook. Poor Brook. Yeah, it was like a bowling brook. And yeah. speaking of bowling brook, <laughs> what's the thing? It's not Christmas, y'all. <laughs> it's not Christmas, y'all. Oh, how long have we, did we make it? Uh, we made it all the way to. Ooh, we made it twenty minutes without it. It's not. Oh, Christmas, y'all. that that deserves so something. Plus one over twenty minutes. That deserves a toast. Yeah, <laughs> that does deserve a toast. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So Henry Bolingbroke becomes Henry the Fourth. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to see a brief succession of kings. You get Henry V out of him. Ooh, he's a good one. Yeah. and he Right marries, up there at the top of the Henrys. He marries Catherine. Mm. And she'll become an important figure here in a little bit as well. Because, they say a bunch of hoity-toity French things yep. to each other that aren't translated. Yeah, that's right. Mm. He reigns from 1399 to 1413 when he dies. And then his son, Henry VI, takes the throne at the ripe age of nine months. Mm. <laughs> And so he had to have the Lord Protector over him, Lord Protector. Uh, Gatlinburg. What was his name? Gloucester. Uh, Gloucester, yeah. And that's an important fact because these are characters that are in the play we're reading. (laughs) 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 All right. And so. Gloucester is the the guy from from, uh, uh, Downton Downton Abbey. Abbey, yeah. Yeah. So he's the Lord Protector, and he will end up getting put into the Tower of London. He's good, by the way. He does a great job. Yeah. Um, some think he died of a heart attack, but most think he died of a heart attack. I yeah. did air quotes there. Yeah, and dropped your pen. And dropped my pen. Mm-hmm. Meaning he was probably poisoned. So Henry the Sixth reigns from 1422 to 1461, and then from 1470 to 1471. 
Or maybe it's 1464, I think, actually. No, it's 1461. All right. All of this being. We're going to get it right. We're going to get a one star review. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going to verify this. Hang on, people. Well, yeah, okay, I want to make okay. sure Let's my just handwriting. Say we all watched this thing that the BBC did, which is really truncated and really collapses the time frames on this. So it makes it feel like. Makes it feel much shorter. Much shorter than it actually was. So you can cut us a little slack, folks. So it's it's com- it's convoluted. He technically reigned from up until about 1453 when the War of the Roses started. Then it was so conflicted with him getting defeated and then him not being defeated and his getting freed for a little while. He was finally completely deposed in 1461. So it's like 1453 to 1461 is this really cloudy period. Well, like who who's on the throne? Who knows? Edward IV will take the throne in 1461. Ran up to 1470. And then for six months, Henry comes back. And then he gets deposed again and dies of a heart attack in the Tower of London. Mm. And probably was murdered actually by Edward IV. So, yeah, most think that he was murdered by Edward IV. Henry VI was a very young king when he took the throne. And his reign was marked by various factors. One, he married a woman named Margaret who plays a fairly significant role in the play. Mm-hmm. He was a very effeminate, bad leader. And his rule was marked by all sorts of tensions. There was discontent with the people because he was spending way too much money. There was corruption within the government the, with the way he would give money to friends and then just corruption with the lords in general because they had no strong authority telling them not to become corrupt. All of this incited discontent in a lot of people. And so people began to look, okay, where can we find someone to come and challenge this king because he doesn't need to be king anymore. To make matters worse, he also had mental... He was crazy. He he was crazy. So the the king that most people compare him to would be George III. He had legitimate mental issues. He was insane. And this would make it for periods of time where he just could not rule. And so... What ended up happening is he had friends, especially this guy named the Duke of Somerset, who Margaret, Mar- Margaret kind of ran things behind the scene as well. In fact, she was the one who really fought for him in the War of the Roses. She would watch for any signs of insurrection within the courts, and she would have those people carted off to the Tower of London. And so she was a strong figure in this, this time as well, very similar to Catherine the Great in Russian history. This was just rife for turmoil. There were people who were beginning to rise to the top of the court who other people didn't quite like as much. And so this really escalated into the first instance of the War of the Roses is when this guy named Richard, the Duke of York, who was related to, do you know who? Edmund of Langley of York, right? He was like the great grandson of mm-hmm. Edward III. And this was, their, this was their claim to the throne. And so he had been in Ireland for a while because he had been basically told to leave while Somerset and these other men became very prominent in the court. And so he comes back with some other men and they go to the king and they tell him, you need to get rid of these guys, right? And at first, Richard VI was going to listen to them and actually do it. Henry, I mean, Henry, VI. VI. Henry VI, sorry. Henry VI was going to listen. He was going to do it. But of course, Margaret gets involved and it escalates and it escalates and it becomes what we know as the War of the Roses. These boys, Henry, the Henrys, they were descendants of John of Gaunt, so this made them of the House of Lancaster, right? This, these are sub-houses of the House of Plantagenet. We're still technically in the Houses of Plantagenet, but these, they're from the House of Lancaster. So now what happens is Edmund of Langley's 
descendants, Richard comes and he says, no, well, we have just as much of a legitimate claim to the throne. Henry VI, you're letting these corruptions enter your court. Your wife's basically running things. She's letting these guys come in and take advantage of you. We want you to get rid of them so that we can establish a more secure rule over, rule over England. They refuse. And so then you have the War of the Roses explode. So there's quite a bit of back and forth struggles and fights. And then finally, at the Battle of Taunton, Richard, or sorry, Henry's defeated by Richard. And this is in 1461. They don't capture Henry, though. He's able to escape with Margaret. And so, but from 1461 to 1470, Edward IV is on the throne. Now, Edward IV is an interesting, uh, well, so uh, a little backtrack then. Richard the York during these battles, during the, so about 1453 to about 1461, you had all these battles back and forth. So Henry, with the help of like Somerset and some of his men would be winning a little bit. They had some victories. Then Warwick on Edward's side would be winning. Warwick is more of a genteel fighter. Finally, Edward would come and he would also fight. And the forces that he led were known for like, being pretty brutal. Uh, whenever they would win a battle, there would be massacres of the common people. And also they would cut off the heads of any nobles that they had captured. Hmm. So uh, Edward was not known as being a very nice guy. And this was Richard of York's son. Richard of York dies in the middle of these fights so that his claim passes to Edward. And that's how Edward becomes the rightful successor to become Edward IV. They finally defeat, like I said, at the Battle of Taunton, they defeat Henry, who has to flee for a while. And for a time, there is some peace, but then Edward IV is pretty brutal with some of his policies, and Warwick becomes discontent and actually turns on Edward IV and helps Henry come back and reestablish his position. And this is all shown in the play as well. Mm -hmm. Can I color in here a little bit? Yeah. Just a couple, just a couple things to people should remember. Number one, Edward IV was actually a lot more popular than with the common people and with the lords. I think he was just a better king, which is interesting because he always kind of gets portrayed as like kind of a clockwork orange droog, kind of, a, you know, one of the gang with Richard III, you know, a thug yeah. in these productions. But he was actually a pretty popular guy. People didn't like. Well, Henry was so pathetic and, pathetic and disliked that Edward was just a really welcome change as far as everybody yeah. was concerned. You have to realize how bad of a king Henry the Sixth was. Mm. He was he, yeah. I mean he basically was never. And his on the dad, throne. Richard, I mean he I mean Edward was borrowing a lot from a lot his, of capital, from, lot of capital yeah. from his dad. Yeah. In the eyes of the people at least. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Edward actually enters the war fairly late and he comes and he helps to reestablish some peace in London before he sets back up with because there was some tension even over the like with what was still going on with some of the aftermath of the war, the Hundred Years' War and stuff mm -hmm. with a guy like, I think his name was like John of Monmouth or something had come over and he had tried to cause some trouble as well. And so he was brutal, Edward IV was, but yeah, he was also popular. Mm -hmm. Also something to keep in mind is that traditionally the Yorks, the Yorkists had the backing of London and the trading districts. And so they would have had a lot of the wealth and popularity from the people who were the history makers mm -hmm. anyways, right? The people that we would be remembering this through. The Lancasters were actually fairly popular traditionally with more of the rural areas of London. Interesting. Well, that was the other thing I wanted to color in. The in rural is areas of England? England. Of England, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, rural. Sorry. People should also understand that I, I think maybe before I had researched any of this, I just assumed like you have the king and the king has lots of power and thousands of guys and then you have everybody else and they're just podunk 
But actually, their armies would have been just as good. Like the lords, yeah. the, the power was pretty evenly divided between these lords. And there's a battle that Henry VI goes into where he has like 2,000 guys or something like that. Like yeah. it's not like it's not like you have the king with this monolithic might behind the him. The king's only as powerful as he is able to unite the lords and their own fiefs and their own armies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's why you can get these challenges to the throne. And those challenges can be really scary and really legitimate. And come from people with that are better armed, that have more yeah. more people, actually. Yeah, yeah. And you have to be careful that you're sweetening the pot in all the right places, and you have people who are willing to go to war for you, or else, you yeah. know. It's like Warwick. I think he came from what was called like, so there are actually like four houses involved with this. Mm -hmm. You have the house of York, the house of Lancaster, the house of Neville, which I think was Warwick's. And you also have, and now we're about to get the late comer to the game, the house of Buford. <laughs> <laughs> and are we ready to introduce this character? Do you have anything you wanted to add so far? Nope, that was it. Well, okay. So we have, and we're going to get to the house of Buford here in just a minute. So this is, we're getting close to the end of the War of the Roses. Edward Fourth has conquered. Oh, hey, I've got a question. Yeah. Why is it called the War of the Roses, Brandon? Well, because the emblems that they would wear, the land, the would be a red and a white rose. One of the houses had a red rose and the other house had a white rose. Why do they do that? No one knows. Yeah. No one actually knows. But Shakespeare wrote a heck of a scene about it. He did. Yeah. He made it up. The one good scene in uh Yeah. Whatever it is. It's actually, yeah, I mean, one. it's become like one of those symbols. It's an emblematic part of these wars. But as to why. It's probably one of them decided to be like, they. one of them probably wore a red rose at some point, and then the others decided, okay, fine, we'll wear white roses. Yeah. So. We'll show you. But they were emblems of the houses. Part of what I've been trying to establish here is, one, how important these houses are, two, how tenuous the relationships are between the houses, how short-lived they are. And also, one, one reason I brought in the beginnings of the Hundred Year War was I wanted to show how tenuous the claims to thrones could be. Because, you know, there were legitimate sons of Philip, legitimate heirs of Philip IV in France who could have claimed the throne. But Edward III just decided, hey, you know, I have just as much. I have a claim to it. I should be able to fight for it, right? And that's Henry V would also then take up that and say, yeah, sure. We have a right to fight for it, right? Yeah, maybe we're not as directly related to the bloodline as you guys are, but why not? My great-great-grandmother was Isabella. I should have a claim to the French throne. This will be important in just a minute when we get to the House of Buford, because it's a pretty funny story. But it's where we get the House of Tudor. So, which what else would you expect than a funny backstory to a house called the House of Tudor? <laughs> um, Are you 12? I'm laughing already. <laughs> <laughs> Jake is just cracking up over there. Okay, but we're not quite done with the Edwards yet. Edward IV, finally he has his household secure. He is the king. He takes over after... Henry mysteriously dies of a heart attack in the mm. Tower of London, poisoned. Well, guess what? After he dies, he'll get his comeuppance because his two children, his son, Edward V, would very briefly hold the throne before he himself, along with his young, younger brother Richard, would both be killed in the Tower of London by Edward's brother, Richard III. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And Richard III would take those two young kids and Edward V, who was never actually coronated but would have a very brief claim to the throne before he mysteriously vanished in the tower of london and to this day i have either of you visited london or the tower of london i have no, not but I'm apparently not. you go over there and you can still like hear ghost stories of the two kids or something so it is a part of british folklore now i guess our british listeners can tell us and so richard the third would be so awful <laughs> 
and so horrifying, and we'll see him. He's he's even remembered as the by the British, and he's remembered in British history as a monster, but not uh, a cripple, right? No, I, I, sorry, that they is. actually found his skeleton fairly recently. Yeah, and they did find that he had scoliosis, but not the kind of scoliosis that couldn't be covered. Yeah, by his clothing. So it was kind of propaganda just to make this feature of him even to be more monstrous than it was. And he probably wasn't. But the feature was somewhat, has some legitimate grounding. Yeah. And um, even then, I mean, Richard III probably wasn't quite the monster that history remembers him as. We, we mainly remember Richard III through Shakespeare's play. Mm-hmm. He only reigned for like a year. Yeah, he had a very brief reign. And he was defeated in the Battle of Bosworth by Henry VII. And House of Tudor. The House of Tudor. And this is where we get this guy. So how do we get to the House of Tudor? Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have to go all the way back to John of Gaunt, who was also the progenitor of the House of Lancaster. Well, it just so happens that John of Gaunt had a little something going on the side <laughs> with a lady named Catherine Swinford. Can I put it that way? Sure. And Catherine Swinford was the meaning they were not married. And while they were not married, they had a daughter named Margaret Beaufort or Margaret, who became Margaret Beaufort, who had a son named Henry. And through all of this, we have now the House of Tudor established. And they're also, interestingly enough, related. So there's an Owen Tudor involved, and he remarried Henry V's wife, Catherine. Hmm. And so there's even some in-marrying going on there. And so there's a little bit more legitimate claim to the throne going on as well, with a connection to Henry V. But the real claim was through John of Gaunt. And Henry IV had actually taken these children from Catherine and Swinford, Catherine Swinford, these illegitimate children, and had given them letters of patent, meaning that they were now legitimate. And then Henry V, I believe, had actually tried to delegitimize them, <laughs> basically saying they can be legitimate, but they can't ever have a rule to the, uh, a claim to the throne. And so the whole ancestral claims of this guy, Henry Tudor, were very just murky, wrapped in, yeah, you know, very tenuous claims. But anyways... He decides, hey, what the heck? The throne's up for grabs. Henry III needs to be deposed. Richard. Richard III. I keep getting these guys mixed up. This is not easy to do. <laughs> so Richard III needs to be deposed. I'm keeping it straight, Brandon. Thank you, thank you, Jake. Yeah. You're my guiding star. Aaron Knuckles. That's right. So what? And so Henry VII, with backing of other lords who are also discontent with Richard III, go and they face off with Richard III at the Battle of Bosworth. They depose Richard III, and you have the House of Tudor established. It's, I mean, he's killed in battle, right? Yeah. He's not just deposed. No, he's not deposed. Yeah, he has like the crown lopped off his head, literally. And Richard, Henry II, <laughs> Henry VII takes it. And he also then, he goes and he marries Elizabeth of York. Thus, since he comes from John of Gaunt and is technically related more closely to the House of Lancaster, thus uniting the Houses of Lancaster and York. to the Houses of York. And the House of Tudor, which his son, Henry VIII, would carry on into his daughter, Elizabeth, who would have probably watched these plays. And thus, all of this was Shakespeare's way of trying to show Elizabeth her legitimate claim and praising her legitimate claim to the throne of England. So that's, that was part of the point behind all these history plays. And so there you have it. There is the history of the kings of England all the way from William the Conqueror to Henry the Seventh. 
I bet people didn't realize the bookening was going to be a history podcast today. My mouth is full of Mike and Ike, so yeah, you have to keep hopefully, going for another minute. Hopefully, you guys found that interesting. My favorite character in this lineage is the Tower of London. Played a lot of important roles. <laughs> a lot of people it's like died the there. Bullet in Hamilton. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you guys are welcome. Yeah, thank you. I wonder if uh, I wonder if Gloucester when he went up there. I wonder if he put his hand in the air like he wasn't going to shoot. Probably. I bet he did. I think I have to do it. He's not going to waste his shot. You have to do what? <sighs> it's not Christmas, y'all. That's too bad. Was that worth it, Nathan? Brandon? Yeah. I was moved. Great. <laughs> <laughs> like Jake grabbed my chair, <laughs> pulled it around the side of the table. You are crying over there. <laughs> I was crying. Yeah. I I laughed. Yeah. I ate plenty of Mike and Ikes. Ate plenty of Mike and Ikes. That's the main thing I did. And um, um, if some of those details were wrong, people. <laughs> give us one stars. Give us one star, please. No, one don't. stars. If some of those details were wrong, were long. Some of those details were wow. long. Yeah, Freudian sleep. Slip. Sleep. Freudian sleep. Wow. Freudian sleep was a Freudian slip. <laughs> yeah, it is about midnight now, folks. Uh, and Brandon's getting a handful of Mike and Ikes. The sad thing is. Oh, there they are. There's some green ones. I've been digging for green ones this whole time. Well, I just wanted to try one more green one. All right, here we go. Um, Lime and strawberry. Those are the two best. Oh, yeah. That that is good. That is good. Well, Jake, who's your favorite character from The War of the Roses? My favorite character from The War of the Roses. Gloucester is a good character. I liked Margaret okay. Why do I have to fill air while you guys have... Well, I'm going to eat Mike and Ike's. I'm going to eat Mike and Ike's too. All right, let's just you all stuff eat... stuff your faces with Mike and Ike's so I have to talk. That's not fun. Well, I don't want to have to be the guy who's talking. I'm a... People don't want to hear me chew Mike and Ike's. That's true. They don't. Somerset and Margaret were fun characters. She's a fun character. Is she an Anjou? Yeah, she's an, she's Anjou. I don't think Brennan didn't mention that in his context, but that's true. Who? Margaret. Mm-hmm. She was. And then she gets to become a witch. Mm-hmm. And we get to parallel the witches of Macbeth. That's right. She does become a witch, doesn't she? Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Mike and Ike's surprisingly good. At least if you don't know that they're good already. Well, speaking of Mike and Ike's, I would like to talk into this microphone and shout out our patrons. What do you guys think? Sounds good. Yay. I will say all but two words in the patron's title. And then, Brandon, you have to say the second to last word, and Jake, you have to say the last word. Sound good? Yep. Sounds good. Robert and Rhonda. The love bird. Nope. You're supposed to say the. You're saying the second to last word. Oh. Robert and Rhonda. The. Lovebirds. Dartful. Anthony. Dodger. Little Anthony's. Cigar. Shop. Store. Store. Jake loses one point. The Immortal. Chelsea. E. Jimmy Beam and Little. Annie. Oakley. Lily of. The. Valley. Andrew Nestor. The. Lovebirds. This one's just two words. Uh Oh. The. You're correct. Keith Master. Very good. David's Mighty. Men. Trucking. John and Jill Little. Baby. Max. Jane and Kitty, who are cold and... Oh, sorry. And love cheese and also C. S. Lewis, including... Till we have Oh, sorry. Till we have... Till we... Have... 
Faces. Sorry. Fairy Princess of Wonder and Happiness. Mother. Beth. Console. Prime. Adam. Jeremy the Dark Hooded Lord of Death. Nathan. Not. Nathan. Rachel. Rachel. No, no, no. Maya! Maya! Ryan the Red Avenger and Judith of the Ladies of Justice. Danny. The Dude. DJ. Sammy. G. Benny and Dan. Benny and Dana. Tiberius. Eric and Catherine from Yawn. Window. Breaks. Professor and Lady. X. Lavender's green. Dylan. Dylan. Lavender's blue. Lavender's green. Dylan. Dylan. I love you too. Nope. It's a two word one. It's a snake, snake, snake related. Cobra Jack. It's Cobra Jack. (laughs) Our beloved patron, Cobra Jack. (laughs) Oh, Boa. Noah. Constrictor. Very good, Brandon. Mm, This one's named after a Narnia mouse. Mira. Mira Cheap. The Fair and Fragrant. You can get a point back, Jake, if you can start it. Made in Chloe. Oh, come on. Okay, we're back to zero and zero. Anthony, who who is- He's had another negative in there. Oh, has he? Okay, so Brandon's down a point. Hey, win, win, win. Just a minute ago you did. Nathan didn't remember. (laughs) (laughs) But it's true. Yeah. The, The tape won't lie, man. The tape won't lie. The tape won't lie. Well, I demand. Uh, I demand that the referees go and view our it. listeners know. Our listeners know. It's thought Christmas, y'all. I just reset it. <laughs> okay. The score is zero zero. Whoa, Anthony. Uh, let's see. <laughs> That's not fair. Fine. Jake. Jake has twenty points, and Brandon's fat. Yay! <laughs> Easy there, Nathan. Wasn't that funny when I? Said pig Latin, and then I said, or as Brandon calls it, Latin. I'm not sure that's on this. Oh, is that not on this one? I don't know. I think that'll survive. I have a feeling, given that I edit these things, that <laughs> <laughs> that bit of <laughs> amazing wit will survive. Did I say Anthony who's cold and hates life, liberty, and the pursuit <clears throat> and the pursuit of cheese? Jujitsu Jeffrey, the Texas Ranger, Rachel, Rachel, Leopard, Tank, Thomas, Midnight. Ninja. Ellen. Con. Yes, that's the, you're on the right track. Congetta. Queen Congetta. Queen Congetta. Oh, Ooh, no. hey, hey, hey. Jake's up a point. All right. There's... Return of. The. Jedediah. J of Rack. And. Ruin. Timothy the Writer. At. Down. <laughs> Eric and Kate the Camp Camp Kings who are warm and. Love. Bees. Maddie. 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 Maddie, 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 Matt Man. Sweet. Jamie. Sunshine. Tyler, the keeper of eternal darkness. And Laura, the keeper of eternal light. Very good. Cold. I still I stole points there, right? Cody. Yeah, yeah. Jake has A 20 million. points and Brennan's even fatter. Um, <laughs> Yay. I'm just kidding, Brennan. You're regular fat. <laughs> Jacqueline, the librarian. Ooh, Jake, you're about to lose a point. Barbarian? That's correct. No, I, I was questioning the librarian part of it. No, that's, that is also correct. John Bombadillo. And Tennille. Bomb Diggity. And Captain Tennille. His mate. Uh, this one's just two words. It's an instrument that this guy plays. Don't Saxophone try. Alex. Mm, very good. And you I'll be- Oh, I got a thousand points for that, Nathan. Come on. Shut high up. five me. Shut up. I'm not going to high five you. <laughs> okay, Brandon's actually picking up my hand. Yeah. <laughs> a thousand points, Brandon. A lawsuit, probably. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I will be very impressed if you guys can name the next one because he just joined us recently and you guys haven't had a lot of time to absorb it. 
I'll just tell you what his real name is. His name is Eli. But can you name Eli's patron name? Eli. <sighs> Eli the. He's kind of in book the book starring Denzel Washington. No, but it, he is kind of in the sci-fi fantasy lineage of style of patron names. Eli the. Word for red. Crimson Avenger. That's uh, very close, but Scarlet. Yes, Brandon. Good job. Pimpernel. Very close. They seek him there. They seek him. The Scarlet Wizard. They seek him here. They seek him there. They seek that elusive pimpernel everywhere. That's Scarlet Sorcerer. The Scarlet Wizard. The Scarlet Wanderer. Uh, Scarlet Wanderer is really close. So I need a synonym for Wanderer. Scarlet. Whoever thinks of the synonym. Scarlet first. Pilgrim. Yep. Oh, do I win? Yeah. I win, Jake. I win. Yeah, never <laughs> has be so proud of a person yourself. been more excited about something that's <laughs> less worth it. Okay, guys, we're done. Thank you for your context, Brandon. I thought it was neat. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. That was a condescending <laughs> adjective to use. I meant it well, but it came Well, off. I hope you liked it. You're making a whole episode out of it, Nathan. Yeah. No, no, I liked it. I liked the Mike and Ikes. I liked the context. The Mike and, and Ikes might have been better than the context. No, no, no. Guys, the context what? is good. Listener, if you don't like the context, if you don't like this context, then you can take a long walk on the sticks. Yeah. Brendan's my friend, and he does good context. I'm Burnham Woods. He is Burnham Woods. And we'll burn him down. Yeah. Until we'll bur- Burnham Woods reach Dunsinane. Yeah. The did. We're burning down Burnham Woods. Dunce it down. And we're burning bun- dunce- Bunsen. We're burning Burnham Woods. <sighs> it's not Christmas, y'all. <laughs>
No problem. It was all right there for every, anybody to find who worked in the sewers. Then we got in that boat fight. Yeah, Jake was, that was back when Jake was a member of the Order of the Cruciform store. He ripped his shirt open. He ripped his shirt open. Crucifix yeah, on his chest. Prove it. Had to prove it by my tattoo. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the way, people, we want a tattoo. <laughs> we want a booking tattoo. Right. Sneak into our house at night. <laughs> bring your tattoo gun. And <laughs> give, us, give us one. And when Something. I mean us, I mean Brandon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. His address is 123 Literature Lane. That's right, it is. <laughs> That's why he's perfect for this podcast. <laughs> he the lives only, on 123 Literature Lane. Yeah, the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brother. We have fun on the bookening. Some nights. <laughs> Some nights. <laughs> no, I like the context. Don't be self-deprecating, Brandon. <clears throat> Me and Jake will deprecate you. Deprecate Brandon. <laughs> Suck. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> You know, you know what doesn't suck is supporting our podcast at patreon.com forward slash the booking. Jake, why might they want to do that? There was an Easter egg in this episode for people back there. and Yeah, that's a good point. Did the Easter egg make it in? I missed the Easter egg, actually. The Easter egg definitely made it in. It did. And you don't even know what it was unless you are part of our family of friends and supporters at patreon.com forward slash the booking. So you get behind the scenes videos. And you get lots of cool stuff, depending on, you know, the level that you buy. You get your shit donor shout outs. You get your annual t-shirt at $25 a month. And I think the best value of the bunch is the $50 level where you get the shout out. You get all the behind the scenes content. You get an annual t-shirt and you get every book that we do well in advance with plenty of time to read it personalized and signed by the three of us. That's absolutely right. So you get a new book every month coming to your door quality and we pick the best quality copies that we can find we don't no dover editions us yeah we don't actually make a whole lot of money because we're committed to to giving good copies a book so it's a good value that i sign up for a hundred bucks and you can make us read a book yeah you can pick a book we actually are doing dune for that very reason this year Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) yeah we are (laughs) i'm enjoying it brandon's really excited about it i i read four dune books that's how much i liked it and spoiler alert the quality level does not hold up after After the the first first two i would say okay but anyway neil gaiman in his introduction says he only read the first two the first two as i believe neil gaiman notes and lots of people have noted kind of function as one book The, the second book feels like just the natural conclusion of the first book but those other books after that yeah they're fun but you know Anyway, this is not a Dune podcast. This is actually just the credits section of the Dune cast. The Dune cast. Are we going to start at the Dune cast? Yeah, let's start. Uh, let's start it. Go to the Indiana or the Michigan. Where where do they have the Dunes? Indiana Dunes. I was there today. Yeah, yeah. You're all the way up there today. Yeah. Holy yeah. cow, man! And you survived. And I survived. And gave us a great uh, context on the War of the Roses. That's how great Brandon is. That's pretty amazing. He travels. I mean, to that's the like dunes. A, that's eight hours in the car that he spent today, at least. It was a long day. Yeah. Well, the longer we keep this credits going, the longer you don't get to go home and snuggle up with your wife and go to bed. <laughs> so just keep going. How you doing, Brandon? I'm doing great. <laughs> I like Brandon's context. I, I keep, I think to quote a Shakespeare line, the lady doth protest it too much. It sounds like I don't like Brandon's context because I've said it so many times, but actually the lady doth protest exactly the right amount because I do like it. So if you think I don't, then you're just not as smart as Hamlet was. Yeah. 
You're just not as smart as Hamlet was. Yep. Hey, it's Thought Christmas, y'all. It's Thought Christmas, y'all. It's Thought Christmas, y'all. <laughs>